0: The opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect
1: those of our sponsors and are only those of the individual commentators. Viewer discretion is advised.
2: Good evening and welcome to the Rabin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Rabin, and with me is part of my expert panel, Christina Mangiola. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Elliot? Now I can hear you. Uh, Go ahead. I'm good. How are you? Now I can hear you. Try again.
1: Okay. There. Hello. How are you? Uh, third time's I, a charm. Yes. Third <laughs> time's a charm.
2: I am much better now. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I can hear you now. Uh, Jerome is away today and will be for the rest of the season. Now, you all might be wondering why, and I can finally tell you. Jerome can no longer be a part of the show due to our premier, Doug Ford. Yes, Jerome works in the premier's office, and while not directly working for Doug Ford, according to the press secretary, anything Jerome says can be linked to Doug Ford. Now, all that would make sense. However, Jerome did get the go-ahead from his bosses prior to the start of the show, yet two episodes in, he was told to step down. We are truly saddened that Jerome will no longer be able to participate in the show as a main panelist, but that's politics, what can you do? Now, it's not all bad news, because we've actually got some great news. Joining our panel as our new main panelist, Someone you might remember from last week, actually. It's Anna Rizzo. Anna, how are you?
0: Very happy to be back. Thank you, Elliot
2: well we you know I'm I'm so happy that that you've accepted our invitation uh, to come back I know Christina's excited as well right Christina I am awesome
1: another lady on the panel yeah you yeah, know that's true. I'm
2: excited I'm excited for this new dynamic of the show uh, and joining the panel this week as our guest commentator is Nina Govert. Nina how are you
3: hi I'm I'm very good how are you
2: I'm good thank you so much for being here thank you. um you You know, coming up in 15 minutes, we'll be talking about our main topic, which is abortion, women's point of view. Uh, But first, let's take a look at our top stories in our weekly update, starting with the U.S. presidential debate number two. So, guys, it was a stark difference between the first one and the second one. What's interesting to me is that, you know, we do this show every week, but presidential debates happen all the time. Why now did they only figure out that there's a mute button? That, that that exists I'm curious to know
0: because the first debate was complete bananas basically <laughs> because they were interrupting each other all the time and this time we could see an improvement and something more civilized for saying some way
2: <laughs> yeah so so what did you guys think about the debate it was a lot more on the issues it was a lot less shouting and yelling so We saw a big difference in their policies. What were some of the things that stood out to you guys, Nina?
3: Um, I'll be honest. I looked at the highlights of the debate and I saw how um, it was going a lot on coronavirus against Trump and how he was reacting towards that. And um, I actually took some quotes that like Biden said and like he was saying how anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president in America. But then next thing you know, Trump in response was saying, we can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. And I was just like remembering like seeing all that like backfire and I'm like, whoa, oh my goodness. But then again, uh, they started going into, what is it? Uh, I think gas and how Biden wants to change and go into solar rather than oil. And Trump was saying how like so many families in America are depending on that. And so then what's going to happen with their income? And so I just thought that this is going to be an interesting result.
2: Anna?
0: Yeah, actually, I was just going to mention what, what, what she said, like the fact what Biden said about oil industry, like, you know, many people are depending on that. And I, I could see some headlines the next day, like, wow, Biden just gave up. On the oil industry workers and you know that could be impacting the results on
1: on his behalf and Christina um, basically what I what I took away from it was just in comparison to the last debate was I found it to be a lot more professional I found it to be a lot clearer um, in terms of getting their points across uh, Trump was of course still a bit of a dick but um You know better than last time
2: quite interesting to see you know we're we're just we're exactly a week away actually from the election to end all elections and next week we're going to have a live election special so make sure to tune in everybody Uh, but as for that something big happened just last night Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court. We're gonna talk a little bit about her impact and what might happen in regards to our main topic a little later, but reaction, Christina?
1: Disappointed, I don't like her. Why? Um, Because I think she's gonna be, dan- Or I mean, she says that her personal life won't affect her politics, but, um, I can only imagine her stance on the LGBTQ plus community, uh, her stance on abortion will come into play because of her religious beliefs and I think we might, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in separating church and state and it just worries me that uh, we may not get that with her.
2: Interesting. Um, Anna?
0: Well, actually, I think she seems to be very qualified for the position. And I wouldn't be so concerned about her personal beliefs because in the end of the day, well, you know, you cannot just be like uh, the only condition to become part of of the Supreme Court is to be a non-religious person because that would be discriminatory per se. So (laughs) I do agree that, you know, as long as she keeps things separated and she has a just and fair vision of how to apply the law, that's what matters.
2: And, you know, it was one of the tightest uh, votes ever. It was 52 to 48. So what does that tell you? Should Trump have done that right now before an election? Because on the one hand, people will say, well, he's still president, it doesn't matter. But on the other hand, people will say, well, we should wait until the next election to see what the people really want.
1: I think those numbers you know, say a lot about how people feel. It's it's a very divisive topic. Um, you know, I think, I, I would agree that, you know, Trump is still in a position where he can make these kinds of decisions, whether or not we agree with them. Um, but I do think in terms of the numbers, that definitely gives us a pretty clear picture on how people feel. It's very, you know, 50-50.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, let's let's move on to our next election or elections. Rather, you know, we we were talking about the importance of the U.S. election coming up. Right. And it's so important to vote. Well, clearly, the importance to vote did not hit Canadians either, because the two Canadian by-elections that took place yesterday, York Center and Toronto Center, in York Center, 25% twenty five percent of eligible voters voted, and in toronto Center thirty percent so again york Center out of seven seventy thousand four hundred and thirty four voters eighteen thousand voted and in toronto center out of eighty one thousand four hundred twenty five thousand voted and the the numbers of votes were so tight for example in york center it was hard to call all night between the winner yara sachs of the liberal party and julius tiangson of the conservative party he lost by 701 votes so what do you guys think about when people say my vote doesn't make a difference
3: um, I would like to say that in fact every vote counts. Um, I can share an example right now. I feel like we'll go into a little bit of it later with like the history of the law abortion in Canada. Mm-hmm. But um, so it started with um, in 1988 all of the like based on the Morgenthaler decision the abortion law at the state got completely well, at the Senate got completely put down and well, they had every intention of putting it a new bill yeah. and so this started in 1990 with the bill c 43
2: but but let's let's stick let's keep abortion to our main topic let's mm-hmm. just stick to no to i was the just election. gonna say that
3: like it was based on a tie vote that that bill failed to pass and it was just if one more person voted like if they it was just like one difference mm-hmm. that could have maybe passed or failed that bill and it was because of that that um now in canada we have no abortion laws
2: interesting so again we're going to get into abortion later on but but that that does make a lot of sense in terms of every vote mattering uh every vote matters christina what's your take on the fact that our society clearly seems so disengaged
1: well i think we just uh, young people are disengaged we we like to get online and talk about politics but when it comes to taking action and going out and voting we're not doing it um and i think like that's been very it's been obvious across all kinds of elections is that we see young people they have so much to say on twitter but they are too lazy to just get their ass to the polls and vote like i just i i'm not surprised that you know by the percentages of people who are going out to vote it's not it's not surprising to me
0: you know that we have a term and (laughs) in 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 latin america we have a term about these people who are always complaining in social media but they don't take action Mm -hmm. and it's the warriors of the keyboard yeah keyboard yeah, exactly similar here right but basically yeah is that i mean i understand when people don't feel motivated to vote in certain circumstances when you know that the, your regime is super corrupt and no matter what you do, your vote is not going to make a difference, people are obviously not going to feel the incentive. But in the case of Canada, I perceive that very, very uh, a lot of people are like very apolitical. Like they are like, oh yeah, I don't like any
1: of those parties, so whatever. Why would I? do And a, that? a lot of people who are like, yeah, I don't look at the news anymore. It's too depressing. So they just decide that they exactly. don't have to. They don't have to look at the news.
2: And and we do have a comment coming in from Kobe who says that. That's actually a high turnout for a by-election, which is quite interesting. I didn't know that, Kobe. I didn't either. Uh so that makes it even more depressing. More con- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so much more concerning the fact that people aren't voting. You know, we had a few provinces that had elections and people went to the polls, but you know, I think what do you think this says actually about the The conservative party who wanted an election and then the liberals tried to have an, elec- an election, who's actually more prepared for an election right now? Anna?
0: Hey, well, I actually will pass this one to Christina because I, I think she's I, more
1: informed than me.
0: <laughs> I also
1: am stuck on that one.
2: So much for the word expert in expert panel. But, <laughs> uh, you know, then let's move forward to something that, Christina, you are very well versed in, which is the Ford government's education stances and policies. So Stephen Lecce, the education minister, recently made a motion, and the government passed it, that teachers will now be hired based on merit rather than seniority. Now, a lot of the unions were upset about that. There were some unions that were happy about that. Christina, your mom's a teacher. So how did she react to that? And how did you react to that?
1: Um we actually haven't talked about it too much um i think with everything else happening in the classrooms right now like covid and needing to keep the kids in line with that kind of thing there's a lot more on many teachers minds so i actually haven't had a chance to really talk to her about it but uh i think I can see why that would why that decision was made. I know that the issue with seniority in the educational system has been a problem for a long time. Uh, people who go to teachers' college, whatever, they're not getting hired because people who have been doing this job for longer than them are the ones who are being prioritized. So I can understand why that decision was made, um, and I mean. In my personal situation, my mom's not in a position where it's going to really affect her. She's close to her retirement, so I think it it affects her less, and therefore I I kind of am less. I'm I'm not as close to it as I am with other issues. Uh, but I do I actually I have to say that I do understand that the job market, especially in education, is extremely um, competitive.
3: Yeah, it is. It is really competitive. I myself am in the teaching profession. I'm in teacher's college right now. And so um, like this bill getting passed, like this hiring based on merit, it gives me a little bit of hope that maybe I'll get hired sooner than I thought because right now I'm in physical education and so who knows how long I'll have to wait. Maybe I'll have to go for my master's first. Um, But now that this is happening, uh, maybe there's some hope in that I can get hired maybe a little sooner, right? And um, when I was at my placement today, I had a chance to a little bit talk with my mentor teacher about that. And he was sharing how, in fact, this, how it was like people are getting hired based on seniority was put in place to begin with because there was a lot of that nepotism that was happening. And so like people are just getting hired based on connections. And so if you're a close friend with this principal, okay, you have more chances of getting hired than this other person. And so it was just the seniority act was put in place so that there was equal opportunity for everyone. But now because there's such a saturation of teachers in the teaching profession that are waiting for jobs, it's been now like, okay, I have to wait now three years before I can actually get an going and be on the supply list for so long. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like this is gonna change some things It might be for the better. It might be for the worse. I don't know. We'll have to see. Well,
0: we would have to wait to when it comes to practice, right? Because Mm -hmm. many bills can be passed. And then the the result in the moment of execution is not what people expect. Like, I don't want to be a pessimist, but that can happen.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're right, Nina. Just like with everything else that happens in the news, we do have to wait and see. Uh, But now let's move on to our main topic, which is... Abortion, women's point of view. Now, for those of you that have been tuning into the show since its inception, you'll remember that The Rabin Report did have an episode on abortion in season one. In our season one finale, rather. Wow, season one. Now, normally, we don't cover topics we've discussed previously, but with Amy Coney Barrett's, I wrote looming but now official, appointment, As well as Poland's new Supreme Court ruling banning almost all abortions, we decided that it was important to bring the topic back into the limelight, especially with an all-female panel this time. Hence the title, Abortion, Women's Point of View. From personal stances to the legislative side of abortion, our panel is ready for a productive and thoughtful discussion. As a reminder, we are live on Facebook, so make sure to comment on our feed to have your thoughts read live on air. Now I should remind our viewers this is a very sensitive topic. Please be respectful in the comments, we will be respectful in our discussion, and again the point is to have a productive dialogue, something that doesn't seem possible anymore in in many cases. So we're going to start with the poll that we asked our audience. Christina, the question was, are you pro-life or pro-choice? What were the results?
1: Um, So our votes were 19 pro-life, 43 pro-choice.
2: Interesting. And percentage-wise?
1: I don't know what the... (laughs) I haven't done the (laughs) math on that. I just know... uh, of, I, let me do the let me do the math really quickly. I can't even do it. I'm, let me I'm, let me
2: see let me see if I can get it. Uh, but you know that that was our those were our results. I'm going to check the the math right now. So it is. Share the results. Thirty one percent pro life, sixty nine percent pro choice, and we just actually got another vote. So now we got twenty for pro life. So more people voted for pro choice. Now. Let's get into the exciting portion, which is the opinions of you three ladies. What's your take? Are you pro-life or pro-choice? We're going to start with Christina.
1: I am pro-choice all the way.
2: Okay. Anna?
1: I am
3: pro-life with a few exceptions that I'm going to discuss later on. Mm -hmm. I am Mm pro-life. I believe that all human beings, it doesn't matter your race, your age, your gender, Right? It doesn't matter. You, if you're a human, you have the right to live.
2: Okay, so that now comes down to the argument of where does life begin? Because your point of view is that all humans have a right to live. Uh, now, people on the pro-choice side of things, a lot of the time would say that life does not begin at conception. Is that, is that your point of view, Christina?
1: Life does not begin at conception, in my mind. And why? Um, because there's a lot that has to happen until a life can be, you know, substantial. I, I believe that after fertilization, it takes about eight weeks for, um, development to begin. I, th- I think that's what it is. Or so, it um, I can do a little bit of a disagreement with you there. Okay.
3: So, um, okay. Do you know what a Polaroid camera is? Yes. Yes, right? And so just for the audience, in case they don't know, right? Um, it's one of those old-fashioned cameras that when you take a picture of it, the picture immediately gets printed out. Now, Christina, when you take a picture of the Polaroid camera, what does that picture look like?
1: Um, usually like nothing.
3: Yeah, it's blank. Right. And so hypothetically speaking, I just want you to imagine that National Geographic has this competition where if you take a picture of this exotic bird, you have the opportunity to win $5,000. Right. And so, I mean, who doesn't want $5,000, right? And so you go with a friend and you're going through the woods and you see this bird. And so you pull out your Polaroid camera, you take a picture and that bird flies away. Now you give this newly printed picture for your friend to hold and as they see this blank blurry picture, they just say like, dude, like this is like such a crappy picture. And since they don't know what it is, right, they just rip it up to pieces. How would you feel?
1: I mean, I, I, I really don't think I'm going to compare a baby's, you know, a fetus to a Polaroid. I just can't I, I pick. I can't make that. I understand what you're saying. But to me, it's they're two very very different issues well so
3: the point i was trying to bring is the fact that the moment you press the button on that camera everything about that picture was there right and that's the same thing with when life begins at fertilization your hair color your eye color your skin tone it's all present in the zygote and all you need is time to grow and develop I even have quotes from textbooks that are used in the University of British Columbia, which state that human development begins at fertilization when a sperm fuses with an oocyte to form a single cell, the zygote. You
0: can Anna? say that the development, yes, it starts on fertilization. But I also understand the point of, of Christina. Like in many cases, for example, the, the heartbeat bill that was approved in the United States that brought so many, so much controversy, they actually take like until the sixth week is when you are approximately can hear a heartbeat coming from the fetus right so so.
3: that depends on the timeline when you're looking at uh, the development right so if it's let's say you're looking at it based on the last menstrual period it'll say maybe around five to six weeks right but if you're looking at it from fertilization uh, it would say around three weeks in fact because the last menstrual period the time between the last menstrual period and fertilization is approximately two weeks I mean, I understand also, and I agree with the point, that
0: it's it's still the possibility of life that it starts from the conception is something that should be defended. Like, it's something that should be appreciated because a human being is coming. Like, not right now, because, of course, the baby is not sustainable, but it will happen. Eventually, it will happen. So that's my
2: take on that. Christina, how do you respond to
1: to nina Um, i i think that i i can under i understand her point i i mean there's many scientific studies that that do say um eight weeks is generally the time that development begins because they're you know you guys just explained so yes it's open for um it's open for debate uh but i i I'm not of the belief that uh, life begins at conception. Nina? Well, um, I already
3: shared my thoughts on that. Um, I guess I can share another way in which to, how I would show someone that life does begin, unless- Christina? If you're open to it. Sorry, repeat that. So would you, um, so sometimes when I have conversations with people about abortion and I try to show them how, in fact, life begins at fertilization. I use more than one tool. So the Polaroid analogy was one way. I can show you another way if you'd be open to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want us to get too sidetracked yeah. with the discussion. Mm-hmm. I, I I want us to all be able to kind of speak. So, I mean, if we have time, I'd, I'd love to hear your, you know, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that we keep the conversation with all of us going.
2: Yeah, so so let's, let's move on from there then. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we do have a disagreement here on whether life does begin at conception, but... The idea of abortion—is it safe? Mm-hmm. Is it safe, Christina?
1: If done legally and medically, yes, it can be. There's 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 studies that most um, the majority of abortions performed will not permanently affect the mother. She will still be able to have children and likely won't sustain any permanent injuries or damage. Anna. And I disagree with
0: that. I don't think it is 100% safe. I have met women in my case that uh, were perform abortions and unfortunately due to uh, uh, a... Uh, something mis- uh, some mistake that went into practice they cannot have babies anymore this made frustrated women and also like I believe there is a psychological component that come into play when you get performed an abortion that being said there are cases where abortion unfortunately is the choice and is the only choice that can happen for a
3: certain woman okay Nina so I agree a little bit more with Anna so um Honestly, if a procedure results in the intentional decapitation, dismemberment, and disembowelment of an innocent human being, then I can't say that that, that procedure is safe. And as described by Dr. Anthony Leventino, right, um, some risks that mothers can face after having an abortion procedure or uterine perforation, cervical laceration, infection, hemorrhage, maternal death, and future pregnancy complications due to trauma.
2: Okay, so, you know, there are obviously potential complications for abortion, no matter what. It'd be the same thing with any sort of surgery, right? Mm -hmm. So any sort of procedure that involves doing something to the body that's not necessarily natural, has some sort of effect um
1: every every single surgery you go into they will they will warn you Mm -hmm. that it's very very rare but something could go wrong and that's the same with any medical procedure including abortion
2: Mm -hmm. so here's a question that i have for all of you because this is very important do men have a right to be a part of the discussion on abortion what do you think
0: yes I do agree with that and I have my point of view very formed based on a case that happened in Colombia and that was super popular in that country. So we get this woman, she got pregnant, it was consensually with her partner, they have of course sexual intercourse, she gets pregnant, she waits seven months until she's advancing pregnancy and by that moment She decided that she wanted to have an abortion because she had some depression going on. Uh, Actually, people who know her tell that it's actually her family, that her mom and dad are super conservative. They don't want her to have a baby when she's not married. And she decides that she wants to to, to perform an abortion. The dad... Uh, or the man in this case he raises voice he goes to the authorities you know i'm the father of the child i'm not asking her to be the mother anymore i just want her to get bear of the baby i will take care of the baby she doesn't need to participate not a family i will not get married with her whatever whatever she wants and she still went to a clinic without the authorization of the father without telling anybody and she goes, the abortion performed. We're talking about a seven-month abortion. Like, these kind of abortions are delicate in women. And certainly, it's a baby like, oh, come on. People are born when they're seven months and they're functional human beings. Like, this was so necessary. And when you think about cases like this, you know, you don't get pregnant by yourself. Unless you get an sperm donor that is you know, other scenarios. But in reality, there is a participation of someone else. Mm -hmm. There is a DNA of someone else involved and that should be taken into consideration.
2: Well, -hmm. to play devil's advocate against my own gender, the movement, and this actually takes us into the next portion of the discussion, which is the My Body, My Choice movement. So there is a movement where women say, it's my body, it's my choice. I can make all the decisions that I want regarding the baby. So that being the case how do men have any right? Because the woman is carrying the baby. The woman is the one that has to go through an abortion should she get one. So how how are men allowed to be part of the discussion?
3: And so, in fact, this is where I would come in and say that abortion is a human rights issue. And so just as I don't have to be a child in order to talk against child labor, just as I don't have to be um, a A child uh, to talk against child abuse right in the same way you don't have to be a woman in order to advocate for human rights for everyone
2: christina
1: um i think i think this is this is also another uh, another complicated thing because i'm i'm a big believer in um you know a woman's body is her it's her property, it's her, and and listen, I understand the argument that it's no longer her property when she becomes pregnant, she's now responsible for something else, but I, I have to say that there's many circum. I, I understand, like, let's say you're in a consensual relationship, and the two of you get pregnant, and you need to, and you have a discussion about abortion, you know, that that that's very important, you know, if I were ever in that position where I was married, and we were having a baby and maybe we decide, or, you know, I got pregnant and we decided that it wasn't the right time. That would need to be a discussion between me and my partner. But that's, that's my personal situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it can vary. uh, I think it can vary person to person. I, I don't think we should, I think in this scenario, women do often need to have, The upper hand because this is their body that's going to have to endure nine months of pregnancy um, with possible complications with the illnesses and sicknesses that come along with pregnancy uh so we do need to we need to give i do believe that women deserve more power in this decision because they're the ones enduring it it is their body i understand that men help conceive babies and you make, you know, you're in love with somebody, you want to have kids with them, you make children together, but at the end of the day, there's one person who has to go through hell for nine months, mm-hmm. and it's not the man, and that's just, that's just how it is.
2: That's, you know, an interesting, interesting perspective. So, in regards to other people having the right to be a part of the discussion let's not talk about men, let's talk about, to, let's talk about the men in government. Let's talk about the government's ability to legislate or have an opinion on abortion. Should the government have a say in abortion laws?
3: So I think that the government, in fact, has a responsibility to ensure that all human beings within their jurisdiction are protected and have the right to live and not have their rights infringed on, right? Nobody has the right to be killed.
0: I think the government, of course, we have a saying in abortion, just like they have on any other topic, either because they're going to legalize abo- abortion, either because they're going to ban abortion. But once again, like, like that the, that comes to lobbies, that comes to activism, that comes also to uh, religion. Like, for example, in Poland, the Catholic Church was pushing for the abortion ban. But in the case of Argentina, for example, you see cases that the Feminist uh, collective is so uh, strong that they were pushing for a a very broad uh, legalization of abortion. So the government would always have a saying on this matter. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's a, uh, Go ahead, no, think, please, I, no, I know. Be I th- convicted in your th- views. <laughs> yes,
1: I think I. I don't want to. I don't want to second guess myself. I just want to make sure that I say things in a way that doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I think that, like I've said, when I, when I say that a woman has the choice to what happens with her body, I think um, you, you put too much government into that, she loses that right. Her body then becomes um, a, a property of, of the state or, what, or however you wanna to refer to it. Um, like in Canada, for example, we have no legal restrictions on abortion. Uh, it's controversial, controversial. A lot of people disagree with that. I can't say I disagree with that. I mean, in certain circumstances, sure. Um, but I think we need, I think that the government need, I, I just believe that abortion should be available to all women um, under any circumstance. And I think that we give government too much power, that won't be an option and, and women's lives will be affected by that. Do you think that um, would you
3: be open to having any restrictions or is it just you're fine with it throughout all nine months of pregnancy?
1: Well, so this is this is where I run into and we we actually discussed this, um, Elliot and I, and I I have I have a hard time with it because the whole thing with being pro-choice is it doesn't mean that I'm pro-abortion and I'm going out there and saying everybody get abortions. It's the solution to everything. That's not what being pro-choice is, not for me, at least. Uh, Pro-choice means that there's a lot of different options, whether that be you, you endure the pregnancy and you go through motherhood, you decide to single parent or co-parent, uh, you decide to place a child for adoption, um, or you choose abortion. And I, for myself, I, I've, I've explained, I, I don't agree with, like, I, I would not myself ever have an abortion where I knew that the fetus would live outside of my body independently that is something that i personally can't bring myself to it's something that disturbs me but there actually are circumstances where late-term abortions may need to be performed and i'm what i worry about is if there's too many restrictions then there's going to be you know women aren't going to get the right access that they need and we're going to run into problems there sure the government Is there like a specific circumstance that you're thinking of when you're saying that it
3: needs to be? Well,
2: I can actually jump in there because this is part of why the discussion is happening. Poland's Supreme Court Mm -hmm. just put in new abortion laws and the laws are that you can only have, very briefly, the laws are that you can only have an abortion, a a, a late-term abortion, or even abortion at all if uh, if the pregnancy is through rape incest or if the mother's health is at risk Mm -hmm. one of the things that they now banned is if the child will have a birth defect you used to be able to get an abortion but now it's no longer the case so in regards to the mother's health being at risk uh, christina correct me if i'm wrong that would be one of the situations you would say that a late-term abortion is necessary so
1: i have actually one case um so this is this is a reason why maybe a late-term abortion would be appropriate. So there's this. there was one story I was reading up on. It was a case in the United States. Um, a couple had found out that a part of their uh, the fetus's brain was missing, um, and this would then result in the child having seizures 70% of the time. So throughout their lifetime, 70% of the time they would be seizing. And the likelihood of death at birth was like 98%. Um, There was a good chance that the child was going to enter the world seizing and likely die from that. If not, have to be resuscitated. So that's a circumstance where I'd say, you know what? That that's that's a light. This child is would be left with a life they have no independence they have no no happiness there's no joy in your life if you are having seizures 70% of the time
2: it's a life of suffering and mind and, you it's not just I on the child it's yeah, the parents and I, that are I understand have
1: to deal that I understand why people might find that cruel if it's late term but do we do we just because people are worried about taking a, the life of this fetus like is is that really worse than making them live an entire lifetime of misery and suffering. Like the greater good, right? Actually, that's one of my exceptions. And it's because I agree
0: with Christina on that sense. Like in this case of scenarios, when they are born, they are so dependent on their parents. And depending on the severity of the situation, they never get independent in their lives they rely on their parents all the time and even when the parents die in some cases they die too why because no one is going to take care of them they are not independent and also not every parent is eh, like not every parent is ready to have a kid in that circumstance now the mm-hmm.
2: to counteract that though if you're having a child and you've had sex and you are pregnant The parents have taken on or the would-be parents have taken on that risk of having that child so in regards to they may not be prepared how do you respond to that
0: because some some of the parents they already know like in canada when my cousin got pregnant they asked her what if your kid is coming with a condition like will you continue having your kid And she said, yes, but it's because my cousin had that conviction already that she wanted to take care of the baby, even if it comes with a birth defect. Not every parent is ready to to assume that. And actually, in many cases, when their kids are born and they're put on adoption, depending on how severe is this birth defect, they don't get adopted. So they're even on that side, they're very bad.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nina?
3: So honestly, I can't find my notes right now on it, but... um, when you really come to think of it, um, to intentionally go through with an abortion p- procedure just based on the fact that they have a birth defect, that is the act of ableism to the fullest extent. To kill an innocent child just because of a birth defect, I think that is like it, it's heartbreaking. Now, don't get me wrong, Christine. I understand exactly where you're coming from, and, and Anna, I understand where you're coming from, too. That's so, so hard to... Have to take care of a baby when they're going through that suffering right but um i would like to share a story of my friend's brother whose name is jonathan and when he was born they realized that he was born with like about a third of his brain and so even though now he's around 17 years old he behaves like a three-year-old now when i talk to my friend about her brother she says how he's always happy he even though like he's in a wheelchair and even though he can't even Um, like he needs that guardian with him all the time he's happy and like everyone in his family says that his life is valuable and he sees it too and she sees it as well and so when i hear that um people are saying that they should be aborted based on a birth defect it's like they're saying that no 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 no, no. i
0: i don't say that they should be aborted i think that people should have the option and actually i know cases like your friend like I knew people in my family that adopted uh, kids with autism, actually. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, they are a joy in their lives. Like, people who haven't, because they decide to, they they honestly love their kids. Like, that's a reality. But what I say is that not every person should be forced to to that, because you don't know also how severe is going to be the condition, they're, and they're, if they have the maturity to take care of that. Of that.
1: there's a, There's an emotional, physical, mental and financial burden that comes with that and look a lot of people disagree that it's unfair to say that uh, having a baby is a burden but it can be and that's why things like that's why something like abortion exists it's not it's not an option that everybody can carry out and uh when you think about you know something like autism I I'm, f- as far as I know, you can't detect that. No, and
0: also yeah. they are functional human yeah. beings. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. that's
1: that's one of those things where if you if you have a child who I think it can be a pretty early age that they they start to show signs of um, having autism. But I don't I don't think that's something you can you know. So I'm not saying you you lose your child ends up uh, having autism and you now have the right to change your mind about being a parent that's a different story but when there's birth defects that we can detect and birth defects that are going to ruin the quality of life for an individual you know some people in in the comments have been saying we should that should be a decision that's left to the to the individual once they're in this world do they want to live like that but a lot of them aren't in a position to do that if you're severely disabled you you don't you don't there's circumstances where you may not have the the understanding of of what it means to live a a happy life so how what do you have to compare it to and I don't know for there's there's a lot of circumstances where I understand that people are saying that they have the right to live that should be their choice as to but sometimes we have to make these decisions for others because they will not be in a position to make that decision themselves
2: and that goes down to that comes down to the idea of consent because if you're under the age of 18, then you can't legally consent to for example, Uh, sex or uh, unless in specific cases you can uh, for sex or for other things so parents make the decision so even let's say let's go with the the idea that it is an unborn child the conception start its life Uh, conception starts at life the child cannot consent or make any decision so it's Mm -hmm. up to the parents right
3: yes right and like when we go and talking about human rights Right, I agree that we all should have the right to choose. Like, I am happy that as a woman in Canada, I can choose whether or not I can drive a car. I can choose where I get to go to school. I can choose what I can study. Right, but at the same time, I don't choose. Like, I don't support a choice that that results in hurting another human being. Right. Like, let's think about it this way: Um, If you were to go out with a friend and you go to a bar and you take a couple shots, right, and that person is now drunk. Right and they're taking the keys to their car and they want to drive home. Would you stop them?
1: Yes, but again, different why? circumstances. Why why would you stop them? Somebody somebody getting in a car because they're drunk is a is a very different circumstance than a child wait, but, being born. You're also but,
2: but with that case though, you're also making the decision for that person. So in the case wait, but, of abortion, you're making the decision mm-hmm. to abort the, chi- the 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 child, the fetus, whatever you call it, and it's you're doing something for their benefit, right?
3: Right, and in the same way, like if you were to stop someone from driving while drunk, right, you're preventing them from not only harming themselves, but also from harming other people, right? And that's why we actually, in fact, have laws in place against drinking and driving, and charges can be pressed against someone if they're caught driving under the influence, because they are not only putting themselves in danger, but they're putting other people. One of the
0: cases that I used to illustrate that, I don't know if that happened in Canada, but in many countries, if you... Get, if you killed a pregnant woman, you will be char- charged by double homicide. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's considered that you killed another life, too. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a valid point, actually.
2: And now, we do have a comment coming in from, uh, from Tanya, and she says to, to what you said, uh, a counterpoint to what you said, I find it extremely selfish for a parent to birth a severely disabled child who will have zero independence. That says something more about the parent. It's not ableism. How do you respond?
3: so i would say that um in truth that i know of people who are open to adopting babies it doesn't matter what they are going through and i understand that going like to give birth in that circumstance is very very hard right but i still think that even though it's very hard for that mother to go through that she may or may not be going through it alone um but I would say that there are people that are open to adopting babies. It doesn't matter what circumstance they were brought up into, and they would be willing to take your place if you don't feel comfortable doing that.
2: But how can you have someone, how, how, how do you know that for sure? How do you know that somebody's gonna adopt that child for sure?
3: Because I have their name and number already. No but
0: you know that uh, I need to add something and it's that in many abortion uh, no abortion no adoption of the opposite <laughs> <laughs> agencies they actually sometimes even lie if the kid has a condition Mm-hmm. And the reason why they lie is because many kids don't get adopted when the the, the prospect parents know that they have a condition. So, yeah, you might, know, some, you might know someone, that person has a heart of gold, honestly, but that's not the majority of cases, unfortunately.
2: So, you know, let's move forward to the states so we're going to move down south to the united states where there is a lot of controversy about abortion Anna, you mentioned the heartbeat bill something i'm very curious to get all of your opinions on is planned parenthood they have been at the center of controversy uh, pro-choice anti-abortion activists whatever you call them have been very against planned parenthood because they say that all Planned Parenthood does is abortion, whereas the other side says that Planned Parenthood is far more than just abortions. They're family planning, they're counseling. What is your opinion on Planned Parenthood?
1: Exactly what you, well, I mean, I of course Planned Parenthood is more than abortions. It's about the you know, somebody who is either going to become a parent um, or is making, so yes, they, they perform abortions, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing that they do. Uh, we don't have Planned Parenthood in Canada, but I can think of many different sex health clinics um, that sure, they perform abortions, but they also provide women and men with contraception, with, uh, and then they give you a bunch of options. You can, you can have access to different kinds of birth control. Um, you can do family counseling, you can talk to a professional about what the best option for you is uh, if you're at risk of anything. So no, it's not, uh, sure, they perform abortions, but that's not the only thing that they do. That's just, that's people who are anti-abortion putting blame on one institution and saying that, you know, they're an abortion machine, they're responsible for all abortions. That's not the case.
3: Well, when I was looking into... Um, The stats based from live action, I was seeing that, in fact, like while they were saying that only around three percent of um, like uh, things that Planned Parenthood does are just abortions. um, They actually did the stat in a video and they explained that it's actually, in fact, one in eight women that go into Planned Parenthood end up getting an abortion. And so sometimes I would say that the stats are skewed. And with what with regards to what Planned Parenthood says and also with that, I would like to add that there are, in fact, some birth controls that act as an abortifacient, patient, which means that it prevents the implantation of the embryo into the uterus, which basically is it's an abortion pill. Long story short.
2: Now, one of the things that opponents of Planned Parenthood say is that they'll pretty much give an abortion to anybody that walks in. Uh, you would agree, Nina?
3: I would. I have. Um, so. I have in fact on that same live action um, website, I've seen how um, Planned Parenthood has like caught footage of being caught aiding in sex trafficking, how they have been caught aiding in abusers. So victims as young as 12 years old are ending up seeking abortion and then are afterwards sent back to those same abusers. And like, let's say, okay, let's say uh, hypothetically speaking that Planned Parenthood never had any babies that were born and left to die. Right. Because that does happen too. like within um, late term abortions. There are babies that are left alive. I have read stories of twins that were 22 weeks in gestation. Now, let me share with you that um, babies that are born at that point in time, they actually have a chance if put in the ICU to survive. And so when the mother decided to abort her twin babies, they were left alive and within for like an hour neglected before they actually perished.
0: I have read similar stories regarding Planned Parenthood. That's, uh, that's the side of the organization that I actually don't like. Also, because there has been a lot of controversy stating that they tend to be more oriented to perform abortion, like in poor neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So that's very much a classist
3: point of view when you look at it. I actually, and I have a quote from Abby Johnson. She was a former Planned Parenthood director. And um, she said that Planned Parenthood, the founder Margaret Sanger, was a racist who believes in eugenics. Her goal when founding Planned Parenthood was to eradicate the minority population. Today, almost eighty percent of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are strategically located in minority neighborhoods. Every year, Planned Parenthood celebrates its racist roots by presenting the Margaret Sanger Award.
0: Unfortunately, yeah, I read about it too, and that's that's why I don't have the organization. Favorable point of view.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so let's say that Planned Parenthood is a terrible organization. Let's go on that tangent. Do abortion clinics have a place in our society? Should we ha- should we have crisis pregnancy centers at all?
1: Yes. So I agree yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can I can elaborate a bit. I think uh, these clinics make it they they are specializing in something. And I, I mean, not not to glamorize being an expert at abortion, because you know it's it's. An, I don't think that's an easy decision for any woman to make. Um, it's traumatizing, and there's not a single woman you'll meet who didn't have some some kind of traumatic or saddening experiencing experience with abortion. Um, sorry, can we we were you were asking?
2: Just repeat what you just the, you know Planned Parenthood. Let's say is a bad. Example, but abortion clinics in general should they be able to?
1: So I think that it's that you have something like that. It's actually it's important because they're specialized in this kind of thing and they are experts at performing safe abortions. Uh, They can provide the correct care for these women and you know partners who may be there along with the decision making. So I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with abortion clinics or emergency pregnancy clinics or sex health clinics, I, I think those are things we need because they specialize in that realm of medicine. And it, 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 I, I just think it would it provides a bit more comfort. If like, I, I'm just trying to think of an example and I, I don't wanna like make it seem like abortion is something small, but I mean like let's, I'm, I don't want to go to the hospital to get my eyes checked. I would like to go to an optometrist cause they know what they're doing so okay that makes sense so that's kind of my argument when it comes to abortion so uh anna yeah actually in in
0: my case i think that in well you know in cases of related to rape uh incest also when the mother's life is in danger like you need to have abortions as an option like uh, is is something that it is needed, you know, as simple as that.
2: So in terms of, you know, we are nearing the end of our of our show and in terms of abortions and the ability to have them, something that's very important to discuss is the appointment of Amy Coney Bear to the Supreme Court. A lot of people and uh, have said that she is a big opponent to abortion and people are worried that her appointment, now making the court 6-3 conservative to liberal, she's going to make substantial changes to abortion law in the United States. So, you know, the the left is devastated, the right is is so excited. What is your take?
1: Of course I'm not excited. I mean, just based on this, you know, our our debate, I'm not I'm not excited about it. I don't I don't like the idea that these things are like look at all the progress that's been made. Why are we going to backtrack? I don't know. I just I do you think she's going
2: to make severe changes to abortion laws i
1: i can't say i i the thing is i can't say right now especially because she has come out and said that she is not going to bring her personal beliefs into her politics but i don't necessarily think that's true because people say that all the time and then they end up they end up doing so and yeah personal beliefs are morals and morals Mm
2: -hmm. dictate your actions right exactly
1: no matter what we can be we can say that we are going to leave our personal lives out of our work but it, there's it's almost inevitable in certain circumstances if you are you know looking over abortion laws and you're very anti-abortion you can try to put aside your beliefs that you know you know your personal beliefs and try to be neutral about the topic but you're you're going to sway one way or the other that's just how it is that's that's human nature
3: but when it comes to being a judge right they don't they're not ones like judges are meant to be there to interpret the law they're not the ones that make the laws themselves and so right it's like she even i quoted i quoted her from yesterday's speech and she was saying how it is the job of a judge to resist her policy preferences since they're like since they're not going up for an election right they have no biases to say what their views reflect to those people
2: but if they have no biases why is there such a uh A big issue with, well, they're a conservative judge, well, they're a liberal judge. Clearly, if that's the issue that's that's going on with every person appointed to the court, they do have biases.
0: Because that's the media, that's, you know, people basically going crazy, people, also the media feeding this because they need to sell and people just buying that and people are easily scandalized. But what she says is true. When you're a judge, you basically need to interpret the law and take a just and fair approach. And basically, the ones that do the laws are the lawmakers. Like, mm, and honestly, I think that there are very there are a lot of lobbies in the United States that come into play. A lot of conflict of interest. I don't think it will be that. Oh, she got appointed. Now abortion is going to be banned. Like, mm, I'm skeptical.
2: To end off the show, what do you think are going to be the? What do you think is going to be the future of abortion, specifically in Canada and? With regards to that, do you think that that future involves a change in our education system with regards to abortion? Nina?
3: So, um, with the idea that um, there should be uh, more education with regards to abortion, I do agree with that. I am open to having conversations and discussions about that, and... um, Honestly, like too many times I've heard someone say that they had an abortion because they weren't aware of the fact that there were pregnancy resources centers that were available to provide and help. Like, let's say they did not have the financial means to take care of a baby. And so they decided that because they couldn't do it on their own, that so they felt like they were forced to have that abortion. But there are actually, in fact, like pro-life pregnancy resource centers that are there to help someone in that time of need. And um Honestly, too many times I've also heard that like, um, what is it? Let me look at my notes here, right? Too many times I've heard someone say that they wished that they knew what an abortion actually did because if they saw what abortion actually did to that child, how it decapitates, dismembers, and disembowels an innocent human being with arms and legs and beating hearts, right? They would not have gone through with that abortion. I've had friends that would stand on a street corner with, the signs of what abortion looks like and a one woman actually walked up to them and she said where were you yesterday when I went and had my abortion where were you yesterday right and so I think that
2: but that, um, that comes down to though let's say late term abortions or abortions when the body is more formed right
1: well in fact I, um, I have, I'm, I'm sorry but I'm gonna have to say that a child being born before 21 weeks does not have full limbs it's not a full human being it's, it's just not, and, and you can say the same argument at any stage in pregnancy. It just simply is not, and I know you're what you're gonna show me, I, yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> well, I'm trying to pull it out right now, but this is in fact a fetal model. This is what, okay. uh, 12 weeks into the pregnancy, this is what the baby looks like. By this point in time, even though they're only this big, right? they have fully functioning arms, they have fully functioning legs, and brain activity at this time can be detected all of the organ systems are in place, and mean merely the rest of their gestational period in the pregnancy is just focused on them increasing in size. But, but what about v- right,
2: before but I, that?
1: But I'm also going to say that that model there. I, I'm sorry, it maybe it's cruel. That is not a full, a full being. It's just not, and its its organs can be intact. It can, but it's unfair to say what, what I don't know. My whole thing is it's it's just so, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I, I'm I'm just trying to think of a, a way to proper properly put it into words. But I just I, I to to put to, to when you when you bring in the argument about what happens to these fetuses, it's so it can be so
2: traumatizing,
1: traumatizing and vile. I know I know women that's who that's because have, abortion is violent. Well, it's not it's not violent if it's done properly. And and look what. When it's what done woman, properly, it results
3: in the decapitation of an innocent baby. And
1: unfortunately, sure, maybe that's what happens.
2: But, but again, if, they're, if it's, let's say, one week into the pregnancy, they're not fully formed, are you saying that abortion should be banned in that sense, too?
3: Well, honestly, in my personal opinion, I believe that abortion should be unthinkable. It shouldn't be something that should happen at all. Because
1: abortion, So under, under no circumstances? Personally, no.
2: What if it's the health of the mother, again?
1: What if a woman is raped? and impregnated with her rapist's child, she still should not have that abortion? So I think, honestly, in that circumstance,
3: I, on, two of my best friends have been through have been sexually assaulted. And while it did not result in them becoming pregnant, it did leave to be an absolutely traumatizing experience for them. And so my heart bleeds out for women that have experienced that. And truly, I firmly believe that those guilty perpetrators, they should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. I think we both can agree on that right like those guilty rapists they should be put in prison for that sure now, but a
1: woman should not be burdened with that with that rapist child it, there's no reason why a woman who has been traumatized and look i am i am a survivor of sexual assault luckily nothing happened to me but
3: good god so if, sorry if but no but good god that. if
1: i was stuck carrying the baby of somebody who harmed me so badly to 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 force me to endure 9 months of that i just i can't I, I just I can't fathom it like it's I should have that right to say this this awful thing was inflicted on me. Why am I now burdened with the responsibility of pregnancy?
0: I don't agree with the pregnancy like I, I don't agree with banning abortion in case of rape. But I know plenty like like I know cases of women who were a conceive a baby through rape and they are able to isolate and separate two scenarios.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I don't think that every woman is having that, like, they, not every woman is available to s- do that separation. So when and they that, think... That's
1: where I think the choice is important because not every woman is in that position to, like you're saying, I, I agree with that. So, yeah, that's my take. Right? Um. I would just
3: like to add just one question right like when it comes to like i am so sorry that you went through that and no, i and firmly that's, believe that's that
1: that's that totally not even part mm-hmm. of the discussion i just wanted to put it out there just because mm-hmm. i i am speaking from the perspective from of mm-hmm. from the perspective of a woman who may have been put in that position mm-hmm. i'm not i'm just saying that i can foresee that happening because mm-hmm. i was close enough to it and and yeah. here's the
2: thing you know whether Uh, Whether someone gets pregnant through rape or incest or, you know, any other way, an abortion is still an abortion. Mm -hmm. However, on the other hand of things, people, there are exceptions and people should have the right to exceptions. There's exceptions in any case of the law. For example, in Florida, uh, people will disagree with this per se, but there's the stand your ground law. If you feel that you're in danger, you have the right to protect yourself, Uh, you know, but if you want to go kill somebody, that's not possible. So... You know, I'm just trying to find common ground between the two of you because abortion is still abortion, but it depends on the circumstances. Wouldn't you agree?
3: Like, I can completely understand why someone would say that they would opt for abortion in that circumstance I still don't personally agree with that just because of my personal understanding of what a human is right who the pre-born are like I know for a fact that they are human I know that in this circumstance despite how absolutely horrible it is that that child is just as innocent as the mother and I and I'm not one that to say that if she is pregnant that she has to take care of that baby once they're born for the, like for the next 18 years I'm just saying that just because Of like what that father did to them right they should not be put to death because in our country we don't even have the death penalty and so that guilty perpetrator he's not going to be put to death for what he did and so why should the innocent baby
2: well it's been a truly truly incredible discussion Uh, I I have to say that it was very fascinating for me to hear all sides of this discussion so that was our show for this week. Thank you to everyone that tuned in and that messaged us live. We had a lot of comments. We had a lot of people tuning in. You know, a lot of people are passionate about this issue, and and we we appreciate that because politics and social issues affect us, and we have to care about these things. So regardless of your political views, regardless of what you think, I personally... And we all here appreciate the fact that you're tuning in, that you're commenting, that you're paying attention to these issues. Nina, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving your perspective on this incredibly touchy subject.
3: Thank you for allowing me to be here today. I really appreciated
2: it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, great, great addition to the conversation. Thank you for coming.
2: And Anna, thank you so much for joining our show as a main panelist moving forward.
1: Yay! It's now the Anna and Christina show. Yeah. It's the Latina
0: takeover. I know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is my last show, unfortunately. (laughs) You will not be seeing me any longer. Uh, But again, that was our show for this week. Thank you to everybody that tuned in, messaged us live once again. Make sure to tune in next week for a two-hour special on the U.S. election where we'll have insights, a special guest as always, and... We're going to see what's going to happen to the United States. One way or another, people are going to say it's the end. It's the end of the world. That's what people said in 2016. But again, 2020 is here. 2020 just seems to be like a terrible year. So why not add another U.S. election to that mix? I'm your host, Elliot Rabin. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. A brand new episode will be coming to you next week. Same day, same time. Almost the same people. Have a great day, everyone.